Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 134 of the Tech Sideline podcast originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. We've got a great show planned for you today as we discuss the possibility of Virginia Tech opening their football season next week against North Carolina State, the impact of Devin Hunter's arrest and what that means for the secondary for the Hokies, what Jordan Payute's injury means for the receiving core, and Another sibling commits to Virginia Tech and Jack Hollyfield. It's all coming up on the Tech Sideline Podcast that gets started right now. And with that, we welcome you back into the Tech Sideline Podcast. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, archived on YouTube, or listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we've got so many ways to consume the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're so glad you could join us as we record on Wednesday morning, September the 16th. We've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Do want to correct in the open, it's Jaden Payute, not Jordan Payute, so I'm 0 for 1, but hoping to go 1 for 1 <laughs> as I welcome it in you guys. Chris, Will, how are you guys doing today? Pretty good. How are you? Doing well. Well, it's getting a little chilly in Blacksburg right now. I feel like we've quickly gone from summer to fall. Yeah, over in Rafford, it was 45 degrees this morning, so my morning walk was on the treadmill, not out in the neighborhood. I walked to the gym, and yesterday morning, I got I walked outside, and within a couple of minutes, I was like, man, I really should have put a hoodie on. Chilly. <laughs> try, and, try and get going a little bit quicker there to get the blood flowing. Oh, yeah, like, I've been doing that for like the last month, month and a half. You know, Will, I do want to say, I know that Virginia Tech has such a great strength and conditioning program, but if they ever need somebody to fill in, I think Chris Coleman could be the ideal candidate. I don't know about that. I actually have a former player as my personal trainer, so I'm getting – a little bit of Mike Gentry and a little bit of Ben Hilgert because this guy was under both. <laughs> this guy was under both of them. Yeah, yeah. look at that. Yeah, so, so um, did not have a good day yesterday. Yesterday was not a good day for me, but this morning started off well. I was driving to work and I was on uh, Pepper's Ferry Road 114 and somebody coming in the opposite direction flashed their lights and sure enough, there was a police officer sitting by the side of the road. I tend to push it a little bit. Speed limit there is 35. I'm typically doing 45. Sometimes I'm doing more than 45. So really appreciate it. I know the person's probably not listening, but. It's just the universe looking out for you. You know, I do, I do it all the time when I'm when I'm going down through there and there are cops. I'm flashing lights, letting people know to, to slow down. So that's a good start to today. We'll yeah. see how the rest of it goes. Well, I can promise the rest of the morning's going to be really good because we've got another podcast, our second of the week. Again, we're so glad you're with us. The Tech Sideline podcast is brought to you each and every week by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm. 
dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. The Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, and to date, the firm has defended tens of thousands of people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email the Fisher Law Firm at info at fisherlegal.com. So we begin the Tech Sideline podcast this morning with an article that Chris wrote yesterday on the website, which I highly encourage everybody to go look at. It's called The COVID-19 Impact on Virginia Tech Football. On Monday, we spent a great deal of time talking about the Virginia Tech-UVA game being postponed due to COVID-19 inside the Hokies program. There's a lot of information in this article, which leads me to lead off the podcast with this question for you, Chris. What are the odds that Virginia Tech opens their season next week against North Carolina State? A source yesterday said 50-50. Another one said maybe a little less than 50-50. Yesterday, I was at a little less than 50-50. Uh, Tech did get enough guys back yesterday to where they could hold a limited practice this morning. Uh, they still don't have anywhere near a two deep, uh, from what I can tell, from what I've heard. Uh, but that made me feel a little bit better because I originally didn't think they were going to be able to start practicing until this weekend. So I think I've I've upped my opinion to 50-50. <laughs> so, but I still don't think uh, I don't think it's a definite for sure. And, for, and that's basically what Justin Fuente said on Monday. They asked him, do you think you'll be – are you optimistic that you'll be able to play against NC State? And he was like, I'm neither optimistic or unoptimistic. I just don't have enough information right now. It depends on when we get certain guys back. Yeah, and, and so uh, when did he say that? Was that yesterday? That was Monday. Monday, okay. And, and I, if I remember, he basically said, you know, I, I need to see what the numbers are today mm-hmm. uh, before I can and really answer that question. Mm-hmm. So what's today, the 16th? 16th. So we're 10 days out, and, you know, he, he really needs uh, enough guys to play slash full strength, whatever, probably about a week out. Well, well, uh, yeah. Um, and if you think about the timing of when NC State postponed this game originally, they postponed it three weeks in advance. Okay, they postponed it on August 26th. It was set for August 12th, so two and a half weeks in yeah. advance. Yeah. Uh, so really what what you're looking at here is you know when a player tests positive he's out for 10 days at least 10 days because he has to get his heart checked too and you have to make appointments for those and, and, and this is the acc protocol these, these are the acc protocols and sometimes that takes several days uh, that's out of a school's control um you know maybe it probably happens a little bit quicker for a unc player or a duke player because they have the medical schools down there right yeah. um and then if you if you go through core, uh, excuse me contact tracing if you're if you're dinged in contact tracing you're out for 14 days, and that's 14 days no matter what. Like uh, I was mistaken on Monday. Like you can't test and then test negative twice and then return. It's 14 days it's no matter 14 what. 14 days no matter what. Right. Yeah. So that's 14 days of you not playing football and not practicing and and you're just stuck at home. Like I don't know exactly what the quarantine rules are. But I know you can't go to the gym. It's pretty much you can't go anywhere, stay inside. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like, you, you, you could go outdoors and, and find a, a nice empty spot and get some conditioning in. But if you get caught, you're going to get in trouble, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, 
I, I actually know a guy in Blacksburg, like maybe five or six weeks ago, his dad tested positive and he was exposed to his dad. So he had to quarantine for two weeks and then he went back to work. And then yesterday his roommate tested positive. So now he has to quarantine again for two weeks. Mm. Right. So that, that's brutal. Uh, particularly when you work a job that based on you have to be in a, in your physical, like, like he, like he's, he works in the service industry. He has to be there to make money. Right. Um, so it's definitely rough in Blacksburg right now, as far as that goes. But, uh, when you're out, when you're without, I mean, tech was basically from what we understand without half their team, basically when when they postponed the the UVA game and, and it, wa- it wasn't the fact that they didn't think they would get, technically speaking, they would have enough of guys to play, but they would be getting guys back right now with the game this coming Saturday. They, they started getting guys back yesterday, and they're going to trickle in between now and early next week. And they'll, they will not have not have practiced for two weeks, those players. Uh, they're not going to be in football shape. Um and the the likely scenario is Virginia Tech would have just gone out there and gotten their butts kicked because yeah. they they didn't have a roster they wouldn't have had a roster f- with guys ready to play really ready and to play, and, yeah. and if you're not physically ready to play the more likelihood you are the, the more likelihood the more likely you are to to get hurt and that's why Justin Fuente phrased it like he did on Monday he said he basically said I couldn't in good conscience send them out there it wouldn't have been safe for them because they hadn't been working out. They hadn't been running. They hadn't been. They had no football pads on for the last two weeks, and that that's a sport. I mean, there, there's a reason. Like I remember when I played in high school, we practiced for two straight weeks before we had our first scrimmage, right before they would let anybody scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to practice a full week before you can actually put the pads on and even hit, right? So there's a whole process in football, like even and even the guys they've had out. By rule, they're not allowed to jump back into it immediately with full pads. The protocol says something about integrated back into gradually. Right. Now, so NC State did it two and a half weeks before the game, right? Um, And I I guess Virginia Tech, two two and a half to three weeks for NC State, thereabouts. And Virginia Tech canceled the UVA game a week before it was supposed to happen. And that's yeah. and which was two weeks before the NC State game is supposed to happen. So if NC State said two and a half weeks previously, we can't safely play two and a half weeks from now. Well, Virginia Tech, when they canceled the UVA game, it's a two that was two weeks before the NC State game. So the precedent that NC State set two and a half weeks in advance means that Virginia Tech probably won't be able to play against NC State if they hold to that precedent. Right. Um, now there, there's there's obviously certain pressures to play. Uh, it's not a good situation situation either way. Like I don't think Virginia Tech is going to be physically ready to play NC State. Um, they're they're going to go out there with a team that's not quite physically ready, and they're going to be playing a team with a game under their belt. That's not a good situation. But the other scenario is you po- you cancel slash postpone the NC State game again. You open at Duke the next week on October third. And you're in better physical condition to play, but Duke has already played three games at that point, and you will have played none. So it's just, it's it's not a it's just not a good. Neither choice is good. 
Yeah, this this so so I was thinking about this. Of course, Chris Rossi wrote the article yesterday, and I read it and thought about it. And you know, the the timing for Virginia Tech is really bad to to have this many guys out. Um, Clemson back in I believe I looked it up. I believe it was June that Clemson had thirty seven guys test positive. Whenever the players first came back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whatever date that was. So, so they had a lot of positive tests back in June. So, so their guys, um, you know, it's they, and remember, if you test positive, you don't have to test again for ninety days. For ninety days, right? So, so that yeah. was that was the other thing I did want to throw I, in there. That, yeah. That's something I learned from your article. Ninety mm-hmm. days from when you test positive. So essentially, so theoretically, if every single Virginia Tech player had tested positive on September first, you'd have them through December first, right? You, we would have missed the opener, but then we're back after that, and nobody on the team would have to test again until December first. Yeah. Um. So. Ed Orgeron came out yesterday and said almost all of his team has already had it. How did that happen? Oh, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it favored, obviously, North Carolina and North Carolina State started school, what, was it a week or two weeks earlier than Virginia Tech? It, it, was, it was fairly early. It was early. Think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so their football teams had their issues two to three weeks before. Yeah. And that coincides when the student bodies were re- returned. Now, Virginia Tech's getting a lot of flack right now because that two- to three-week window after students return happened to come at the start of football season. So Virginia Tech is missing, had to cancel the UVA game, right? Yeah. For UNC and NC State, obviously NC State had to postpone the Virginia Tech game, but it was – but since their students – since school started earlier, their outbreak was a couple weeks earlier. So they're – entire season isn't going to be affected by this you know unc apparently had some guys out too for for a good stretch and it just didn't get reported because they weren't actually playing football then so you just keep your mouth shut they, if you're they Mac weren't, brown they, and, they weren't and you, making play and right, no play right, decisions right right so you're mac brown you keep your mouth shut and you don't say anything as as which obviously our fans would be mad if justin fuente did that but that's what mac brown does and he doesn't tell anybody. They look horrible against Syracuse for the first three quarters. Yeah, they looked like a team that had a bunch of guys out for two weeks. Yeah, you know, in in a couple of weeks before the game. So, I don't. I I didn't foresee. Now we've been saying we sat on this podcast several months ago saying it's going to be an odd season because you're not going to go know from week from a week to week basis who you're going to have or who the opponent's going to have. You don't know who's going to test positive who and everything like that. But we didn't foresee the contact tracing. Right, and, and, right. and two uh, yeah. weeks of quarantine. Two weeks of quarantine. Well, that, that's what we didn't know. Yeah, I, I so. want to read real quick, just to sum up for those that maybe weren't uh, with us on Monday's podcast. I actually want to read just two quotes that you put in your article from yesterday that actually Jake Lyman transcribed. This was Justin Fuente on Tech Talk Live. He said, mm-hmm. quote, I'll do my best to try to explain it, but you've basically got two groups. You have the symptomatic or positive test. If you're positive, you have to isolate for 10 plus one days, and then you also have to get an echo Mm-hmm. on your heart that can lengthen the process a little bit because you have to get those scheduled and there's a lot of pressure on the medical community not just here in Blacksburg but across the country 
Those things aren't just snap your fingers and go. If a guy is positive, it's 10 plus 1 from his symptom date. And if he's asymptomatic, it's just 10 plus 1. Sometimes that drags on because we have to get the heart work and labs done before they can return to play. If you are in contact tracing and are around somebody who is positive, that's two weeks in quarantine, assuming you don't test positive. That's two weeks on the shelf, removed from the football team. You can see how it can get pretty big pretty quickly, close quote. Yeah, you know, so whether you test positive or whether it's just through contact tracing, you're basically out for two weeks. And it's not quite starting from scratch, but it's close. So, like, Tech started practice around August 5th thereabout. Let's say it was August 5th. And let's say 14 days later, you get dinged for contact tracing and you're out for two weeks. So you just practice for two weeks and now you don't do anything for two weeks. So when you do come back, when you come back on September 3rd, you're starting from scratch, right? Less, yeah. So anybody anybody who tech lost in August when September started, they were starting from scratch. These guys now, they're not going to be quite starting. They're coming back now. It's not like they're quite starting from scratch, but it's close. Because if you remember, Tech didn't practice for like three or four days after the NC State game originally got postponed. And at the time, you were thinking, oh, he's just giving them a few days off since, you know, they don't play that early game now, rest their bodies, blah, blah, blah. No, that was back when we heard that most of Tech's offensive line was out. So I think he basically shut the program down then, and they just didn't make make the announcement like they did this time. NC State had already made that announcement for them, right? Right. Yeah, so there was no need to do it. So, uh, yeah, so so it's not like – these guys are going to be coming back. They've missed two weeks, but they've really missed more than two weeks because Tech's program was basically shut down for three or four days before that already. So Virginia Tech has not had two straight weeks of practice. Even the healthiest players, the guys who haven't been dinged for contact tracing or tested positive, they haven't had two two straight weeks of practice or anything like that. And so, remember, this is on the heels of no spring football, right. uh, players not being around for, for Ex- for uh, proper strength and conditioning. Right. You know, it's just, it's right. really starting to build. Well, one thing on, I think so. about too, Will, is the fact that you're looking at it, you brought up the whole week by week, how we were looking at the offseason. You know, you don't know who you're going to have necessarily, who the other mm-hmm. team's going to have. I think about the continuity and the fact that we talk so much about how about last year about all the O line being together in the same sure. group. I mean, how about continuity? The fact that you might not have the same guys out there every single week to gel with. You're right. And how in the heck can you make an accurate, informed decision about the starting quarterback position when half the line is out one day, the other half's out maybe the next time, and See? and get re- receivers in and out. This guy's out for two weeks. He comes back. Oh, we got our starting receivers today. Oh, nope, he got ding contact tra- t- contact tracing. He's done. Finally, we got them all back there together. Oh, Jaden Payout breaks his leg. You know, so those guys haven't been – together enough to even where I think you could even accurately judge the quarterback position. Even I mean, even Burmeister was out last week. Remember the day yeah. they made the announcement, he couldn't go to interviews because he wasn't allowed in the program that day, I assume because of contact tracing. Right, right. Um, so this is this is a big challenge that, that Justin Fuente is facing. And so you're trying to get through the immediate issues and just, just get to the game against NC State or get to the game against Duke. And what if somebody tests positive again after that and you whack 10 more guys into contact tracing? And, and But back to your point about continuity, uh, one of the things I used to think about, I don't know, this is neither here nor there, 
But when Frank was running the program, we used to get to go see the uh, uh, scrimmages. Mm-hmm. And most of the scrimmage was spent with one-on-two and two-on-one. Yeah. So the second-string quarterback was playing behind the second-string offensive line against the number-one defense. And the second-string quarterback generally no didn't have a chance to do anything. Yeah. And this is, this, this is at a time when Virginia Tech's offensive line was – a bad and B not deep at all. Mm-hmm. So you you the, the number two guy'd be out there behind a couple of not oh my good gosh. I mean and, our starters on the offensive line couldn't block, and yeah, then and yeah. then the backups would be out there trying to block Chris Ellis and Vince Hall and people like that. It's uh, ugly, know, yeah. awful. Like I don't know how like the like the backup quarterback or the backup wide receivers actually could get better in that environment because they had no chance to actually. I mean, the quarterbacks would drop back, and he wouldn't have a chance to throw the ball. So, I mean, there were scrimmages back then where there would be like 13 sacks. When I, when I was in <laughs> high school, uh, I went to Albemarle High School in Charlottesville. In my senior year, we went 0-10, and, and the year after I graduated, we went 0-10. And, and our quarterback was a guy that, that grew up in a neighborhood near mine, and he was very elusive. And that's why he was our quarterback, <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, you know, I can't demonstrate this just if, if you're just listening, and I really can't get up and demonstrate it even on the video. But he would come away from center, and as he was backpedaling, the defensive line was already chasing him. You know, and, and <laughs> how was, can you evaluate a quarterback who's spending all this time running for his life? He was the Tyrod Taylor of Albemarle County. <laughs> oh man, I got. I remember playing playing in the neighborhood against him when we were kids before he even got to high school and became the starting quarterback. That dude was shifty, man. He was hard to tackle. Chris, can we get the pro football focus grades on the <laughs> offensive line and the percent of dropbacks that quarterback had to face? Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, if you got a bunch of guys out and you have a lack of continuity, that that's kind of what it's like. It's yeah. it's just tough. It's well, t- let's transition quickly away from staying on the topic. But one thing that came to mind when I was prepping for the podcast, we, we've spent a good amount of podcasts back over the summer and late in the spring talking about the financial ramifications of what a football season means to Virginia Tech athletics and how it helps fund the other sports. Um, If a game were to be canceled, let's just say one game and not made up, any idea the financial ramifications that one game could have on the program? So uh, to my knowledge, there has been no information released about how the financials for – the, the TV money that comes into the ACC are going to work this year. Um, I, I, I don't know that ESPN and ABC has said anything. I, I just don't know. If you have fewer games, then you have fewer commercials run and there's less revenue. And how does that revenue get distributed? Um, so the TV revenue might not be affected. They may just make a blanket statement. We're taking all the revenue that's coming in. We're splitting it this way, regardless of how much you do or, or don't play. So going back to the old Big East days, um, the Big East was one of the few conferences that paid you more for actually being on television. They didn't just evenly distribute the TV revenue. They would, you'd get a little bit of a premium if you were actually on television. Instead of making 150,000 for a game, Mm -hmm. you'd make 250,000 or something like that. Um, That has not been the way things have been done for for many years. And, And the Big East was frankly the only conference doing it that way back then. So we, we don't know about the TV money. And in Virginia Tech's case, when you lose a home game, they're not selling any tickets. They're not, not allowed to have more than 1,000 people in the stadium. And so um, that's not even 1,000 fans, in quotes. It's 1,000 people. So Virginia Tech isn't even selling tickets. So I would put forth the theory that it might actually save Virginia Tech money to not have a home game <laughs> because they wouldn't have to pay the costs of putting the game on. And they're going to get the TV money anyway, most likely. 
assuming it's all split evenly. Yeah. No matter because like I, I don't think you can. There's going to be certain things that are out of school's control over whether they can yeah. play. I mean, I mean, there might be a point where like Syracuse can't play a game because they're in the state of New York and New York decides and to the do governor some just law. decides, just we're, decides we're, right, we're right. going to I mean, call off contact sports. Right. That that's that's unlikely, but it's possible. And in which case, that's out of Syracuse's control. So can you punish them? For that, yeah. can you sit back and say we're not giving you any TV money this year because because your governor because, because your so. governor said this <laughs> right right right. So I'm guessing all schools are splitting that evenly. And remember Notre Dame's involved this year, and they're splitting the NBC money yeah. with the ACC. Okay, this year I do too. remember seeing yeah. that. Yeah. So I don't think uh, canceling a game has a financial impact on Virginia Tech this year. I really don't. You know, on a school that's allowed to have fans in the stands like Clemson, I think is I've, I've seen anywhere from sixteen to nineteen thousand fans. Uh, so, so you know, we, we discussed this probably on the website or the message boards or whatever. If Virginia Tech could have 15,000 fans in Lane Stadium, and, and I'll go on record as saying that I think it's just patently ridiculous that only 1,000 people are allowed in Lane Stadium. Um, I'm not making a political statement. I'm making a, a, a judgment statement. I just think that's stupid. They should be allowed to have ten or 15,000 fans, properly distanced, et cetera, et cetera. It's the way they're doing it everywhere else, you know, but they're not allowed to do that at Virginia Tech. Let's say Tech could have 15,000 fans per game. Um, it's hard to say how much demand there would be for those tickets. A lot of people aren't going no matter what, but let's say you had 20,000 fans that wanted to go. You could probably charge up to 100 bucks a ticket for the 15,000 that, that want to go. There's a lot of people at Florida State and a pretty good crowd at Notre Dame. Yeah, too. yeah. It was a good amount of people at Florida State. Yeah. I saw the rerun. A lot of, of people. Honestly, yeah. honestly, that looked like a normal Florida State game, to be honest with you. Well, <laughs> it, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, so, well, because to go off on a bit of a tangent, <laughs> Looking at Florida State, the people who are still going to games are the diehards yes. who are going no matter what. Yeah. You know, uh, but if you were selling fifteen thousand tickets at a hundred bucks a pop, that's one and a half million dollars. Right. Six home games, right? Well, nine I, million dollars. I, I did. Uh, I did the math, and uh, you know, let's say Virginia Tech plays zero home games in front of a crowd this year, in front of a paid crowd. They just keep it at a thousand by state law, and Clemson sells fifteen thousand tickets per game. It. it I'm being conservative here. Fifty bucks a pop for six home games—that's like five point seven million dollars. So Virginia Tech is already millions behind Clemson uh, in terms of, of revenue and donations and things like that. Anyway, well, now they're going to be a further five point seven million behind them, simply because the state law in South Carolina is different than the state law in the state of Virginia. And North Carolina has come out and said no fans at all for right. the month of September. We don't know what decision they're going to make. Thank goodness, because they're already $12 million ahead of us because of their stupid in-state scholarship rules. Well, yeah, so, so. so Chris, Chris needs to clarify that. <laughs> at, at, at UNC, from what we understand, every student athlete, the athletic department pays in-state tuition, whether they're in-state or out-of-state. Right. And their scholarship bill winds up being – Virginia Tech scholarship bill runs in the range of fifteen million dollars a year. UNC's apparently runs at about six or seven million dollars a year. Yeah, if that. So, so they're saving millions that they can invest in big coaching staff, big recruiting Support staff, staff facilities. facilities. Yeah, yeah. Just um, because, just because, you know, when Matt Brown was their head coach back in back in the nineties, that law was on the books when he was there then, and then he left, and they took it off the books, right? And so out of state students had to count is out-of-state scholarships and which cost them a lot more money soon as mac brown gets back 
they reverse the law and, and bring the old law back. So apparently Mac Brown is so big in that state, he can just go into the North Carolina legislature and say, I'd like this this done. And they say, okay. Yeah. Can I, just, uh, I think it's incredible that you guys can talk access and all. We can talk finances and money, and we can talk about legislature and government. I mean, you guys really are uh, the, the perfect dynamic duo that we have here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. So some of the people listening or watching may not even know um, scholarships are not free. The athletic department pays the school for the costs of educating the student athletes. That's so. That's what the Hokie Club is for, basically. For those who don't know, the Hokie I mean, Scholarship, the Hokie Scholarship Fund. Like for example, I'm in the Hokie Club. I send in my donation, and everybody else sends in their donation, and that gets put in the pot. And then at the end of the year or beginning of the year, a big fat check gets written by the athletic department to the academic side for all Virginia Tech scholarship student athletes for their education. And, and that's how it works. And, and I, I don't know off, to, off the top of my head how many scholarship student athletes Virginia Tech has. Back in, back in the independent Atlantic 10 Big East days, Virginia Tech didn't fully fund all the scholarships. Mm-hmm. You know, again, to educate people that don't know this, every sport has a certain number of scholarships that they are allowed. Football and both basketballs, every athlete gets a full scholarship. You go to you go over to a, a program like baseball, they get something like eleven full scholarships, and they have to distribute that among a roster of twenty, thirty guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. There are very few players in the non-revenue sports or athletes in the non-revenue sports that are on. Full oh, there are none. I don't think. Well, I, th- I think just football, men's basketball, and women's basketball. But right? if but if you look at softball, but but it's at a coach's discretion. Right. Softball will sometimes. From what I understand, you know, you may know more, Evan. They will give a full scholarship to a pitcher because pitchers matter. Pitcher deserves one, that's yeah. for sure. You're right. You know, and then everybody else gets a half scholarship, third scholarship, quarter scholarship, nothing at all. That's the way it works across all those other sports. So, but anyway, there's there's a certain number of scholarships that the Virginia Tech Athletic Department has to pay, and it adds up to fifteen million dollars a year. Right, and at Virginia Tech's peak. There's all their scholarships for all those sports were not fully funded. So Virginia Tech did not have a full complement. They were not paying for a full complement of, stu- of student athletes. Yet at the same time, they had the third highest paid football coaching staff in the country. And that was the peak of the Virginia Tech football program right. when Virginia Tech was putting no resources into the Olympic sports at all and just dumping it all Relatively into football. Speaking, yeah. And now Virginia Tech fully funds everything else. And and they're much higher paid Olympic sports coaches, and now they're only 35th or 40th in football salary. So, you know, and since then, Virginia Tech has gotten worse at football, generally speaking, and they've gotten better in the Olympic sports. I mean, it's kind of a shining example of you get what you pay for. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we still have a lot to get through here on episode 134 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We're going to step aside for a break, but when we come back, we'll talk about the impact of Devin Hunter being suspended indefinitely by the Virginia Tech football program, what it means for the safety room, and we break down the loss of Jaden Payute after his injury and what that means for the Tech offense. We're back in just a few. You're listening to the, and watching the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go 
Hokies. Back in episode 134 of the Tech Sideline podcast, continuing on as we record on Wednesday morning, September the 16th. Glad to have you with us. He's Chris Coleman. He's Will Stewart. We've got Malcolm Stewart, the best producer in the land, taking your Facebook Live questions, which we will get to at the end of the show. It's time for another sponsor read. We're glad to have the Southeast Regional Training Center back with us for another year. And Will, I know they're doing great things right now with the Virginia Tech wrestling program as well. I I joke all the time that Tony Roby makes everybody else look bad because Tony's program faces all the the same challenges that other Virginia Tech programs face, and yet he's he's racking up the, uh, the top five recruiting classes nationally, usually top ten, you know, top five also outstanding recruiting classes, and a lot of that has to do with Southeast Regional Training Center, and that is a. Uh, you know, we, we don't we don't want to get too bogged down in the minutia of it, but um, it is a separately funded, a separately run thing from uh, from the Virginia Tech wrestling program, and it is staffed with resident athletes and resident coaches who are training for the Olympics. They're not Virginia Tech wrestlers; they're not even college wrestlers anymore. So uh, the way it works is these these regional training centers are kind of run in concert with college programs. And so uh, any athletes that you recruit into your wrestling program can practice and wrestle against the wrestlers and learn from the coaches in your, in your regional training center. So Tony's done a really good job of fundraising for, the, for his RTC because they are run off private donations. That's how they run. And the more donations you get, the higher caliber of coach and resident athlete you can attract to your regional training center. And that attracts better recruits to your wrestling program and so it's it's a huge part of you know we're used to the virginia tech wrestling program being really successful and the southeast southeast regional training center has a lot to do with that so um they've they've been sponsoring tech sideline for years and we really appreciate them coming on board again and so just go check out southeastrtc.com and tony's got a video there explaining things and that's where you can donate you gotta wonder like if tony roby woke up tomorrow morning and decided he didn't want to coach wrestling anymore would he actually make be able to make more money like in sales or uh fundraising and things like that because he's really really good at fundraising he's he's you know he's he's taking it to another level and that's um you know, the even under Kevin Dresser, the Virginia Tech program was good, but the recruiting under Tony is really yes, taken, taken off. off yeah. yeah, and a lot of that is, I mean, you can put it down to his greatly improved fundraising yeah. for the Southeast Regional Training Center, in my yeah. And it's um, when you look at the recruiting classes, it's tough to be patient and wait for those guys to mature because the, he is um, he's got a good wrestling program, and they're just going to get better. Yep, yeah. and looking forward to uh, wrestling season. We were talking before the podcast started today. There's potentially some news that's going to come out today about the college basketball season so um as fall sports continue on we get closer and closer to winter sports yeah like uh uh, they're voting today on when to start college basketball apparently and and rumor is they're going to start it on uh november 25th what what is that like the day after thanksgiving or something i think the 30th is a monday yeah uh, normally it starts like november it would start on november 10th but uh, and we don't know oh, okay. so we don't we don't know delay. what schedules are going to look like. We don't know in what form the season is going to take. But sounds like something is going to start up around November twenty fifth. So you're talking what is that? That is Not, the day before Thanksgiving. Wow, that's kind of weird. So that's like nine weeks from now. 
Yeah. It'll be here before we know it. All right, let's keep uh, keep going on and talking about the, uh, the Virginia Tech football program. We stay on the gridiron. And we just mentioned this news just before we signed off the podcast on Monday. But it was announced on uh, Monday evening, reported by Mike Niziolek of the Roanoke Times, that Hokie safety Devin Hunter was arrested on Sunday by Christiansburg police for felony strangulation to cause wound or injury and misdemeanor assault against a family member. He has been suspended indefinitely by the Virginia Tech football program. Uh, Will, let me start with you because you really touched on it towards the end of the podcast. Somebody um, who was a big-time recruit when he came in, didn't get a ton of playing time early, but was poised for a breakout season. How big of a loss is this for the Hokies? It, it's hard to say because, yeah, De- Devin was was having trouble getting into the rotation and, and you know, getting his career going. And um, I remember watching him on the field against uh, ODU, the, the dreaded ODU loss. Um, <laughs> yeah, he had to start that game because there was an injury. Yeah, and 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 I'm I'm not that sharp of a football observer, but I could tell he was not didn't really know where to go and what to do. So he, he it's been kind of a long play for him, even though he was a very highly rated recruit. But uh, Justin Fuente has spoken highly of him, and 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 I really appreciate the kids staying with the program and continuing to work hard and being patient because that is a rarity. Um, these days a lot of athletes are just oh hey it's not working out here i'll just transfer out it's not my fault it's their fault mm-hmm. you know but, but he applied himself and and fuente always speaks very highly of him so it, it's just a yes it's it's a loss on the field we don't know how big you know chris has said on podcasts that we'd heard he was doing really well and really coming along and this might finally be his moment but, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Was right. he really going to play on the field and be, be an effective player? We don't know, and we may never know. So there's there's an issue of on the field. But off the field, it's just it's just disappointing for, for a guy that, that, that had been plugging away for so long. And what effect is this going to have on recruiting in the 757? Because, you know, he's one of the few very highly rated recruits they've gotten out of the 757 recently. So you might sit there and say, well, that's no reflection on Virginia Tech or Justin Fuente. You know, that's a mistake that Devin Hunter made. That's not the way it's looked at in, in recruiting circles. In recruiting circles, they want the kid from their area to go be successful at your school, and the details are not really important. You know, so so that can't be a good thing. And um, to clarify something, there's a lot of confusion about uh, um, assault on a family member. Um I was actually on the phone with someone the other day when this was being discussed and this someone was sitting next to a former deputy and the deputy said a family member can include anyone that you live with, you know, under under this particular statute of the law, I guess, can include anyone you live with or anyone with whom you have had a child. So we'll just leave it at that. It's not necessarily a brother or sister or a parent or something like that. It could be a situation like that. And we talked about this before we even started the podcast today. I, I don't care. I don't want to know what the details are. I don't want to no. pass judgment. I don't want to get down into the timing of things. All I know is a Virginia Tech football player who was at least part of the two deep has been lost. And since this is an issue that most likely involves a female, you'll, I don't think you'll ever see him back again playing for Virginia Tech. And that's what I think about all that. And 
you know. I mean, it's unfortunate, but for all the, the reasons Will enumerated, uh, how well thought of he's – you could see the reaction from players oh, on Twitter. Oh, the players were just crushed. Yeah, yeah, because he's a very, very popular member of the team. Very well. Everybody respects his work ethic. I mean, he is uh, he's a very, very good culture fit from that standpoint as far as how hard the guy works, showing up every day. Like, he didn't let the fact that he didn't live up to the hype early affect him. And like like Will said, run off and transfer like you see most of, Penn, of mo- like you see most of Penn State's running back room do. These <laughs> days, right? uh, so, uh, um, but I'm yeah. Um, so it's disappointing from that standpoint, and, and but like I don't know any details, so I, I can't say. Well, anything let's transition about it, to this though. Corey, how does it affect the team? Let, yeah. Let's transition <laughs> that because Corey Van Dyke had written about it, and he actually mentioned that Nasir Peoples might have been a, a prime candidate to take that spot if he didn't have that uh, off season season ending injury that he suffered over the summer, I believe, or fall uh, fall camp when he got back. Uh, but it sounds like J.R. Walker is the prime candidate. Chris, what do we know I, about the redshirt freshman? I would think it would be J.R. Walker. I know in the 2019 spring game, I was really impressed with him at free safety. I mean, this this was a guy who enrolled early, and he already looked the part. He was a four-star recruit, too. Uh, he was a highly touted kid with a big offer list. And his recruit he's not as well-known as Devin Hunter in the program with Virginia Tech fans, of course, because – Hunter was an in-state recruit, and his recruitment was very public, and it was long, and it was drawn out. J.R. Walker's from Raleigh, North Carolina. Everybody thought he was going to NC State until the day he committed to Virginia Tech, so nobody paid any attention to his recruitment at all. The reality is, if you go back and watch their tape and look at a lot of their offers and things like that, I mean, J.R. Walker's just as good a prospect, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, um, so I, I know Bud Foster was just, had a lot of great comments about him. So I was really impressed with him in that spring game. A big guy who could run and he looked the part. And I think he can tackle in space. Now he was playing at free safety then. I don't know where he's been practicing since then. I, I suspect at various points of his career he's played both because coaches like to see they'll at least pick a couple practices in the in the spring and just to see what other like can this free safety play rover if if need be yeah. or, or things like that. But Virginia Tech didn't have spring practice, so <laughs> so I don't know if, if that... real quick. Uh, Will, I want to ask you this because it was mentioned that Devin Hunter was supposed to take the spot of Reggie Floyd, used to be the rover, but now it's called the boundary, the boundary safety. safety. In a nutshell, in sixty seconds or two minutes or so, can we explain what the difference is, is in the scheme and how that rover is different from the boundary safety, or is it the same thing? <laughs> well, we don't know. Um, you could have called it the boundary safety before the rover. Well, talking, the, talking generalities of free safety versus strong safety. Correct. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, the boundary safety is always the rover was always on the short side of the field, and he's the deep and he's a deep safety just like the free safety. Now, that, now in the 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 term rover was was a holdover from the old Virginia Tech scheme from back in the nineties and early two thousands when Virginia Tech really only played one deep safety. And the rover was always up in the box. And in fact, even back in the day, the whip was actually on the short side of the field and the rover was on the wide side of the field. And Jim Cavanaugh used to coach the whips and, and the rovers. rovers right. So they, they essentially were much, an outside linebacker. They were pretty and, much the same position. Yeah. Right. And then uh, Tech made the scheme change in 2004. And rover basically became a traditional strong safety, always a deep safety on the short side of the field. So 
basically the name should have changed 15 years ago quite frankly yeah. it, the position the guy was no longer roving he was just a regular safety but they just didn't change the name yeah rover could um, go anywhere from from deep coverage all the way up to close yeah, run support right right i mean it was he was all over the place uh so really the the, the name should have changed 15 years ago it has no impact on gotcha. just because they changed the name now doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be asking that player to do anything differently. It just means that Justin Hamilton looked at it and said, that's not what that guy does anymore. So we're right. going to change his name to something a little more, a little more normal. Thanks for the clarification. Yep. Interesting. And and so it sounds like J.R. Walker, someone who's going to step up also sounds like uh, two names that are going to have to step up early for Virginia tech on the field. As we transition from defense to offense, um, is uh, Changa Hodge from Villanova and then Evan Fares from Kansas yeah. because of the fact that uh, Jaden Payute will be out indefinitely um, due to an injury. So, Will, you look at this receiving core. I know Payute was somebody who had a lot of praise uh, in camp. Of course, he's a high prospect. How big of a loss is that for Tech's offense? It's it's uh, For me, this is going to sound like a weird thing to say, but it's more of an emotional loss because, because that guy was – he came out of nowhere in recruiting – um, he didn't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, and, and Chris can help me out here. He, he didn't have a whole lot of rep in recruiting. And then until, suddenly he did. Suddenly he did. He, he, his, he, his numbers, his testing numbers when he went to camps were, were crazy. Very great physical talent. He ended up number four in the state, I think. Yeah, I think so. And, and Justin Fuente loved his skill. Never, never mind the measurables. He saw him in camp and loved his skill and, and and that's that's the that's the guy you want the a guy who was mostly under the radar until he committed. Uh, it all happened. I remember it all happened very fast. He became a thing and he committed and suddenly he was a number four player in the state. So it's just it's it's a it's a bummer that again it's another guy who it was his time to shine and he's not going to get the opportunity. And for me, without figuring out, without spending time thinking about what receivers are going to slot where, which ones are outside, which ones are inside. Um, you know, there, there's there's time to let them run out there on the field and see what the coaching staff has decided for that. For me, it's just positions are getting thinner and they haven't even played a game yet. You know, that boundary safety has gotten thinner. The wide receiver core, which is there, there's this joke that or this opinion that that Justin Fuente sure as heck knows how to recruit receivers because they were piling up the receivers early early in his tenure. And you never would have thought two or three years ago you'd be sitting here in 2020 going, man, we're getting really thin in mm -hmm. the receiving core. And that's with the, the two transfers you mentioned coming in and being available. So, so you look at the rest of this receiver room, and in a way, you know, Trey Turner's now the the, the lead candidate to be the wide receiver one. For, for, but you look at everybody else with Payout out. Give me some names, Chris, of guys that could be stepping mm. up here down the well, stretch. Well, obviously, Changa Hodge and Evan Fares. You don't bring in one-year grad transfers unless you expect them to play heavily. Yeah. So they're, they're both going to factor in. Evan Fares is a definite outside receiver. Uh uh, you know, I don't. He's one of those guys. Like, I don't think he's going to make as many amazing end zone catches. I mean, D Damon Hazelson, from a, an amazing place, a highlight reel standpoint, was amazing. Yeah. I don't think you can expect that of Evan Fares, but Evan Fares will catch that slant to beat Kentucky. We hope. So, uh, they're, they're two different players, right? Uh, Chenga Hodge is a guy who could be outside or inside. I think he'll be outside, but I don't know for sure. He's a good player. Um, I think he'll help, you know. Now, he was a guy who got here a little bit late, and it's going to be – it's a brand-new scheme for him coming from Villanova. Pra practices have been, well, 
Sometimes they've been practicing and sometimes they haven't. So how far along is he in the scheme? I, I don't know. We don't know, but he's certainly a guy who can help. Uh, your boy Caleb Smith is a guy who uh, got some playing time early last year when Hazleton was out. He should he should be in the rotation. Tavion Robinson, of course. Uh, yeah. We've, we've heard they've been working him on the outside some just in case. Uh, and James Mitchell played in the slot. He's listed as a tight end, but like – he played in the slot a lot last so, season. So yeah, so if you move Robinson outside, then that really opens up the slot for Blackshear, and you know it, it'll be interesting to see how they use Randy yeah, Blackshear. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, that's probably going to be the most interesting thing about the season is how Blackshear is used. Uh, uh, Daryl Simmons was a guy who was going to help some, but he's hurt. Yeah, we, we've heard yep. uh, four to six weeks or something like that is what we've heard. Uh, and I think we heard that like two weeks ago. But at any rate, he's yeah. not he's not going to be available for the start of the season. So it's just uh, you, you might your average fan is going to see some guys out there, and at first they're going to be like, "Who's that?" Yeah. Um. Oh, well, that reminds me, like roster cards. Yeah, I was thinking about the roster when I was driving in this morning. Uh, you know, it, so Virginia Tech finally up, updated the roster, sort of. You know, uh, what a week ago, week and a half ago, yeah. and people are like, "Oh, Will, when are you going to put the roster on your site?" And I said, I- "I'm not doing that this year mm-hmm. because every year." So this is, um, uh, let's see, thirty words or less, one paragraph or less. Um, the the process of scraping the roster off of HokiesSports.com and putting it on the tech sideline taps into my old HTML skills from way back in the '90s. So. I will cut and paste the code from hokiesports.com, toss it in the notepad, do a lot of group replaces on all that CSS crap, you know, for anybody that knows anything about web programming. It's a process. It takes time. It's difficult. So in past years, I made the mistake of, ooh, the roster's up, and I go through all this work to get it on TSL. Then they change heights and weights, and they change numbers, and players disappear and reappear. So... We have no roster on Tech Sideline right now, but I was I, I was literally thinking in this morning, yeah. you know, I need to text Pete Morris and say, so what's the status of the football roster? Is that finalized? <laughs> yeah. As much as it can be these days, <laughs> yes, right? right? Uh, and I'll say something about Payute. Offenses are most effective when they can threaten you both horizontally and vertically. And, vertically, and, they, and they lost and w- the vertical. They that. lost the vertical. I mean, the, for, from that standpoint, I don't know that Virginia Tech has had that kind of offense since uh, – I don't know, you know Eddie Ro- Eddie Royal maybe Eddie Royal was a guy who could stretch you vertically, but he could also get it on the jet sweep if yeah. we were creative enough to actually do that back then. Um, now we, uh, you know Andre Davis for sure. I mean that 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 ninety nine two thousand offense with Andre Davis, Vic Suggs, that that could stretch you vertically. And yeah, but, but the whole the, 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 the whole Danny Cole Jarrett Boykin era, no, right, right, um, right. There wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think. Uh, I think Virginia Tech, they have a very, very good horizontal threat. I mean, yeah. that the, the I know people hate the jet sweep, but we would have won. Didn't it average 10 yards a carry like last 11, year? Like 11, yeah. <laughs> and and it set up a bunch of those huge plays to Dalton Keene and, and James Mitchell and, and all that, too. Right, I mean, it was right. – I mean, we would have averaged about 10 points a game without the jet sweep last year, in all honesty. <laughs> so so the Virginia Tech is, is very good horizontally, and they'll be, I think, even better horizontally with Raheem Blackshear. Yeah. So there, there, there's not going to be very many teams out there that are as good attacking you horizontally as Virginia yeah. Tech, and they were about to have the vertical threat too. And that vertical threat has been taken away. And when you have a horizontal threat, if you're really good at both, 
you're really hard to game plan for. Um, yeah, modern college football is all about uh, spreading them out and getting them. Uh, well, well the, well, the issue with uh with Payute is uh the only issue with him as far as his speed is does any tech quarterback besides Quincy Patterson have the arm strength to actually get it to him once he gets behind the, the safeties? Yeah, you, you, I don't know if that would have been true. You got to cut it loose early with a guy. You got to like cut it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. but I, it's a shame because I, you know. I'm not saying he's exactly Andre Davis because I've never seen a Tech football player as fast as Andre Davis. So I don't think he's quite as fast as Davis, but he's still really, really fast. But he is bigger and stronger than Davis. Wow. So, and, I, and it t- Andre Davis didn't break out until he was a redshirt sophomore. He, he, right. was, he wasn't good as a redshirt freshman. So I'm not, I'm not saying that Payute was going to have some kind of breakout 50-catch redshirt freshman season. But at some point in his career, he was going to be really, really, really good. But now we got to wait. Now we got – well, and and now he's not going to have that development. You know, yeah. um, so he'll be a redshirt freshman again next year. Basically. Yeah. Is it? Uh, hey, quick question for you. What are the three words that Justin Fuente uses to describe his football team? Hard, smart, tough. You know, if there was a fourth one, what do you think it would be? Great. And it is time to mention one of the new sponsors of the Tech Sideline Podcast and Tech Sideline, Grit. Well, we've got two hats on the podcast that we throw them on every show. So Malcolm tells me that my camera has gone haywire, so uh, you, you won't be able to get a get a solo shot of me here, but I will turn towards the main camera and support the Grit hat. Um, so we'll, we'll repeat it. If you go to our website, just uh, go to the menu, select more, our sponsors, and grit is there, and you can get your very own grit hat, grit shirt. Still waiting on the mask from the guys. I got to email them and tease them about that. So yeah, we're glad to have get them ready. Board. It's time. All right, and let's close the podcast with this before we get to the uh, Facebook Live questions. I feel like we've talked about a lot of serious and dense topics today. Let's end with a positive note. I've been waiting to bring this one up. Jack Hollyfield, one of the newest commitments to the class of 2021 for Virginia Tech, three-star tight end, who is the younger brother of fan favorite linebacker Dax Hollyfield. Uh, Chris, I know he's been listed on some sites as a linebacker, but it seems like Virginia Tech's going to use him as a tight end. What I, do we know about him? I definitely think of him as, as, as a tight end. Um, I haven't watched his film. Have you? Have you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 the thing is it's mostly defensive film, but I think his athleticism lines up more of a regular tight end. I think you know, be, you I know think right off the top, top of your head, uh, how tall? How much does he six, weigh? Six three, two twenty five, two thirty. Okay. Right now, I don't well, need to look well, it up. Well, I mean that was, but but I mean all these numbers are from a year the, ago. <laughs> a year because there's been no there were no camps. You can't remeasure these hmm, guys, so true. we have no idea how big. I mean, he he, he might be two forty five. Could have grown another. Inch he or might two be six four two forty five right now, and nobody knows it. I mean, it's it's just impossible to, to know. Um, solid prospect. I think I think everybody thought like generally younger brothers tend to be higher recruited or higher ranked than than the older brothers, and and I think some people thought that about him early because he was showing up on recruiting boards when he was a freshman. Yeah, but he his recruitment just didn't take off. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure why, why that is, but he's a he's a good solid prospect, in in my opinion. Um, and, and he's been and, in Blacksburg and a lot. And play, oh, so so many times, and he needed to com- to commit because Virginia Tech got, got what like 22 commitments, 21 commitments or something, and yeah. he needed to pull the trigger before they get to 25. Right, and, and it was interesting because there was there was really no 
No smoke around him. Nothing going on. Well, I mean, from the very beginning, we all expected him to commit to Virginia Tech, and then he didn't, and then he didn't, and then he didn't. And so, we started thinking, huh? So after a while, you just forget about him, and yeah. and the, and and you're thinking about, oh, what what defensive tackle are we going to sign, or are we going to sign a Mike, or, or blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden he commits out of the blue, like he when he committed, uh, I think you texted me, he's like Jack Holyfield just committed, and I was like. Man, I about forgot about that dude. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the yeah. second tight end of that class, so he could kind of be maybe the future of uh, Virginia Tech tight ends. Yeah, well, I think he's he's a uh, he's. I, I would have to watch him closely, and he's not going to play football this year, so I'm not going to have an updated scouting report on exactly what he can do. Most of his yeah. past film is 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 of a linebacker. I think I think the other tight end from from uh, from down that way from down around Charlotte, whose name I just is forgot it Jared him. Gibble? Yeah, it was Gibble. That's it. Thank you. It's needed to be an O. It needs to be Gobble instead. <laughs> but, uh, gibble Gobble. Gibble Gobble. Um, I think he's probably maybe a little bit more of an H back type, or is is Holyfield is is more of a traditional tight end okay. type. But I could be wrong about that. I, I haven't. It's been so long. Like I, like I said, I mean. When he just went so long without committing to Virginia Tech, I forgot about him. I bet I haven't watched any of his films since, like, January. Man. So I've forgotten basically everything about him at this point. Yeah, uh, but but I do remember, like, thinking, yeah, I mean, he's certainly a good enough player. Um, it'll just come down to – I mean, I, I he's one of those guys, like, I think he's probably a sure thing. Like, I, I see a very, very small chance of him – doing nothing with his college career. I also don't look at him and see like star power right. or anything like that. I just, I see solid. Well, if, if he's, like, if which he's is a, fine. And, and I say this with all the <laughs> love in the world, if he's a football meathead like Dax, then, <laughs> you know, the, the, you need those guys in your Yeah, program. you absolutely do. Yeah. All right. So real quick, name as many uh, sibling pairings Virginia Tech football has had. Just start rattling them off. Who so, can you name? So John Yetzi said that God. this is the 30th set of brothers. Um, I don't know if Yetzi's list includes Don Strock and Terry Strock. Everybody knows about Don Strock, but Terry was, I believe, a wide receiver or a kickoff specialist or something See, like that. See, I had that no idea. In... Didn't he go on to coach at Tech? Terry? Yeah. Didn't he Terry? did. Yeah, yeah. He did. See, I've heard He was a t- wide receiver coach. Correct. I think he was a kickoff. See, I've heard – like, he was a Tech's wide receivers coach, like, back in, when their ball streak started. I think you're right. Right. So, say so I've always heard of Terry Strock, but I never knew that was Don Strock's brother. You learn something new every so, day. The so, Fullers, the, the Edmonds, uh, who are who are the the Grims, the, the Vicks, Edmonds, the Vicks. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are the offensive linemen? Uh, help oh, me out here. The Wangs, the uh, um, the Fork Union coaches. Oh, sons, the Schumans, the Schumans. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kyle Chung and his dad. I know that's not sibling, but at least family. Ed and uh, David Wang. Uh, yep. You know, you, you, so you kind of go through it by position. Uh, oh, the Lewis brothers, a defensive tackle. Yes, and and you you mentioned the Fullers, right? They're they're kind of obvious. And I said the Grims. Everybody forgets that that uh, Cody Grim had a brother who was a walk on at Tech. Chad Grim. Chad. Yeah, yeah. yeah Chad never, was a linebacker. Didn't play very think, much. Yeah. You know, so so it's an exercise to try to generate all thirty names. You know? So certainly now, fun don't, now don't cheat. If you Google Virginia Tech letter winners, you will be taken to but, a web page on Okie Sports, which lists all of the, the letter winners in, in the history of Virginia Tech football alphabetically. So don't I'll, cheat. I'll, I'll win the contest right here. The Quiche brothers. The, the two walk-on offensive linemen from California that were on the team a couple of years ago. Wow. Well, all right. No, I'm the only one that would have got that one. I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, <laughs> to end the conversation there. Cam uh, Martin Mr. and Ryan Martin. Or boom. Yeah, Cam, Cam and Ryan Martin. Good. 
And, and, you know, again, really unique to think about Virginia Tech. I think a program that not many schools can say has that many siblings and brothers come play together. It's just, you know, history, tradition. You got all that here in Blacksburg at Virginia Tech. All right, he's been patiently waiting. He's been working hard behind the scenes. Trying to get my camera working. He's been trying to get his camera working. He is the hardest producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart. It's time for our Facebook Live questions. Malcolm, is what's going on? Questions? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, we'll start with Billy Lester. What do you think about Lay's and Foo's exchange over Twitter comments bashing VT's postponement of the UVA game? <laughs> now, what? wait a minute. Laser and Foo had an exchange over Twitter? Oh, no, 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 no. It was Tech Talk Live. You should read the articles I put on the well, site sometimes. No, I know, but the way, the way he phrased it, he said he said uh, something like, what no, do you think of Lay's and right. Foo's exchange over Twitter? Over Twitter, right. It was, about, the, it was about, about Twitter. It was about the what the UVA players were saying after the game got So canceled. All right, so what did Lay's uh, ask and what did Foo say? I don't forget the exact quote, and I forget the, how the question was phrased, but Foo didn't really talk about the, the UVA players. He just went on a rant about how – Twitter sucks, basically. So that was pretty much what that was all about. And then he, I think he ended that with saying, look, I called Bronco on Saturday because I, I thought he needed to hear it from me while we weren't playing right. instead of just reading the articles about it and seeing so, social so media Evan, Evan's actually got it. Oh, great. And this was uh, a question on how seriously the players have taken the situation. Again, this is Tech Talk Live that aired on Monday. Fuente said, quote, Twitter is a cesspool for people to sit on the couch and throw tomatoes at people. It's just the world we live in today. It's kind of gotten to that point that it's a rush to go grab your phone and weigh in on something as if you're an expert and know what's happening behind the scenes. To be honest with you, we do take that personally. Our kids have taken this very seriously and worked very hard throughout this, close quote. And then he talked more, but that's the paragraph that I read. Yeah. Yikes. Yep, that was a pretty good one. I like it. A throw tomatoes at people. I, so do you get some, the reference? Some people don't do say he's entertaining. No, I have no idea so, what the reference so, is. So people who say he's not entertaining actually don't read our Tech Talk Live notes because he actually does stuff like that a lot. They, there are yeah. certain <laughs> venues in which he's relaxed, and that's one of them. Yep. He, likes, he likes talking it's to people. tomatoes at people somehow tied in with office space. I, I, believe the, no, I believe the way it used to work was that, that if you were uh, performing in a, in a play – and you were poor that the audience would throw like fruits and vegetables. Yeah, at you. yeah, 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 yeah. That, 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 that's it, it, exactly it, what it was. It's a it's a thing that uh, people of my generation grew up knowing. I think it comes from watching cartoons and watching Bugs Bunny get tomatoes thrown at him. But I, I, it occurred to me after Fu said that I'm like, you know, the younger I don't think the younger generation really gets that reference. But that's it, what it's, it is. It's uh, it's what people did way back. I mean, I, I've read stuff from like. I've heard descriptions of that happening, like you could see it like at a play, in like the 19th century or Shakespearean even, days, right? Uh, does it go back well, that, that far? That, it might go back that far, yeah. but as far as what our country is, like I know it was happening here in like the 19th century at plays and things, and even like at like political rallies and speeches and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not so to get into go. that. You but, just learned something. There we go. Yep. You learn but, something but, new every day. But Great. you don't hear people use that phrase. But, well, yeah, well, Fuente that. He went on in that answer and he talked about, you know, back in the day, you know, you'd meet your coworker at, at the uh, water cooler or the coffee pot. And right. You'd talk. And now you just go to Twitter. And, and yeah. So, so yeah, when, when, when we started Hokie Central and Tech Sideline and had the message boards go and it, it horrified all these athletic administrators, the things fans were saying. Right. And I, I always used to say, it's the same stuff they've always said. They're just saying it out where people can read it now. Let me, let me continue <laughs> right. on that quote, actually. Uh, 
Quote, everybody can put their opinions out in the world now. What used to be said at the coffee pot or the water cooler gets said online to whoever wants to listen. That's what comes with it. Absolutely, it bothers us. We try not to put too much stock into it, but we know where it's coming from and we take it personal, close quote. So my my, my message to coaches and players is, People have been saying that stuff forever. They've been saying mean stuff about coaches and players. It's just it's all out there in print now sure. where anybody yeah. can read it. So, yeah. so don't take it too seriously. And, and it works the other way. People learn a lot more about players these days than they ever wanted to know by how those players, by what they tweet about and things like that. Mm-hmm. It works both ways. Yep. Thanks for the question. All right. From David French, what do you get? <clears throat> what do you guys think about the claim that Clemson had a COVID party liability to the school. <laughs> oh God. I, I expect there's been a lot of COVID parties on college campuses. Um, I look, I, I think, I think Dabo let his guys do what, what college kids do. And, and I, I think he, I don't think he was particularly bothered by it. I don't think he like he intentionally got them together and said, "I want you guys to get the coronavirus right now because that's going to make give us a better chance to play if you get it right now early." Now, now back then the protocols were not publicly printed by the AC. Right. they didn't right. exist actually. Right. Everybody knew keep your distance all that stuff, but the conference hadn't come out and said and also the once practice started the the press wasn't crawling all over practice and sure. taking pictures, but there were pictures being released. We're talking about a time, June or whatever, where the teams were doing their thing and nobody was really there paying attention. Right. I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything. I'm just going to yeah. say that, um, you know, it, it, it may have been a little bit more relaxed. And I don't think Clemson changed very much. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, well, that, that's what the guy so, said so on we, did we talk about this on the podcast the other day where where um I, I was listening to Packer and Durham and Tom Luganville talked about watching uh B, was it BYU that played Navy? Mm-hmm. Yes. Watching BYU just trample Navy and the Navy coach saying that they basically hadn't had any contact drills and it showed. And the, and the question that uh Packer had for Luganville was why did Clemson look so good and Luganville said I don't think Clemson's really changed the way they do things. And that's that's why they look as good as they do. I don't. Yeah, uh, you know, Orgeron came out yesterday and said most of their team has had it. Yeah, and it's amazing the teams that are really, really, really good at football, they're not having any coronavirus problems now. Like, like, like I don't. I, they, I think one of the reasons they're really good at football is is they don't care what people think of them. They will do whatever it takes to win. Whether we're talking about coronavirus, whether we're talking about recruiting. Any of that stuff. Well, it's that SEC attitude of sure. if, you, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And so you, you take a school like Virginia Tech. Let's say Virginia Tech got caught with a bag man handing out shoeboxes <laughs> full of $10,000. Tech fans would flip out and they'd pass judgment and get all, you know, as a group, they would flip out and get all preachy. Do you think Alabama's fan base flips out and gets all preachy when, when they get caught? Alabama and Auburn are, all right, so... I, I I don't I don't mean this as I'm not saying either one is right or either one is wrong but you know Virginia Tech at the indoor practice facility got held up for ten years because of the stadium woods issue right I mean so they couldn't get that resolved for ten years and in that ten years we got passed from a facility standpoint yeah. the Auburn Alabama rivalry they literally murder each other's historical trees on campus right. So that's how that. That's just a different mentality there. Yeah, you know, and 
And again, we're not accusing anybody of anything. We're just saying they just kind of tend to plow ahead. Right. <laughs> Regardless yeah, of they, uh, Yeah, they don't care think. what people think of them. No, they're, um, just, they're just there to win football games. Yeah. There you go. All right, from Damian Brink. What are the chances they shut the whole thing down? No chance they let us play for the ACC championship game if we can't make up canceled games. Uh, I would actually say close to zero. Uh, yeah, they're not going to shut it down. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the, the Big Ten is, is starting to roll forward. They announced this morning that they're going to start a season on October 24th. Virginia Tech's going to play at some point. Um, I think uh, Damian was specifically asking about Virginia about Tech. About Virginia Tech. Right? Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see that happening um, uh, at all. Um and it's specifically written in the ACC rules that the teams are the two best winning percentages will, will go to the ACC championship game. Now, a, an issue here is like, okay, what if, what if one team goes nine uh, nine and one in the ACC, ninety percent winning percentage, and another another team, another team only go four and zero, four and zero, right? That's a hundred percent winning percentage, but they only played four games. So, is there a cutoff point in there? Do you have to play a certain? Number? Do you have to play seventy five percent of your ACC? And the games ACC to be didn't eligible? even want to put a number on it at that point. At in that time. point in time, yeah. I, I think they're going to wait a while and clarify it later. I think so. I think they're I, just going to wait and see how the situation goes. Um, yeah. My personal opinion is it's not going to matter because, like, I, I think it'll probably be Notre Dame, although I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think Tech is off to such a late start. <sighs> I, I'm very, very worried that they're going to lose their first game because of their lack of practice and lack of condi- conditioning. I think they're better than NC State. I think they're better than Duke, but I, but, they're, I, but they're getting behind. But they're getting behind those teams yeah. in terms of conditioning and and if they if Duke happens to be their first game, Duke will have already played three games. Yeah, and that's, that's and tough to win. It's 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 tough to win in a situation like that. So it's possible that Tech could be starting from a hole to begin with. So I'm not even worried about the ACC championship game right now. I don't care. <laughs> I just want to try to get games I want to play a football game with a team with the, where we have a chance to win, like where, we have, where we're on the same ground, you know, where, where we have most of our team ready to go and they're in football shape. I don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. Let's do one more. One more. All right, last question from Eric Fisher. With less practice and strength and conditioning time, are we looking at a lot of possible injuries this year? Oh, yeah, I mean, the soft tissue issues have mounted up anyway. Yeah. Uh, like, they, like that. you know, when we say Tech had 60 guys out recently, we mean from positive tests, contact, posi- contact tra- tracing, and injuries. And injuries. Right, yeah. right. So it, 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 it's been rough already because they didn't have a full preseason and you know i mean like i have a personal trainer for a reason that extra motivation of working out with other people it's it's a big difference like i don't care if you you know you you can sit there behind a computer screen and say oh our guys didn't keep themselves in shape they ought to be running and things like that and these are people man we are social creatures. We, we, right. Uh, and some people are individually motivated. If they're isolated and they don't see anybody for months, yeah, they're, they're going to come up with physical activities and keep themselves in shape to a certain extent. Other people aren't. Right. That, right. And football players are people too. 
<laughs> and, and, <laughs> I mean, honestly, people think these guys are robots sometimes. Uh, they're really not. And they're not. Particularly college kids. Exactly. I think you wrote in your article, these guys like to play video games just, just as much as myself and Malcolm do. I mean, so, all right, great questions from everyone on Facebook Live. Always great to have an interactive show uh, with everybody. And so we are at an hour and 15 minutes. That's typically the point where... Uh, it's interesting. Wrap. I didn't think this one was going to go as long, but it did. It, it did. did. It, it, well, I don't think we've ever done a podcast where we said, man, that, that went a lot shorter than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> I always prep for these, and then I always get to about three or four topics. I'm like, this is going to be enough. We're going to get to an hour easily on uh-huh. these three or four. Yeah. So another great show. Uh, Chris, any idea what's coming up on TechSideline.com this week? Friday we Q&A. No idea. I'm going to run a, uh, a Dwight Vick article today yeah, uh yeah. one of his interviews i haven't decided which one yet but we're due for how one often of those. has he been doing those uh i don't i don't know how often he's been doing them recently i know like during the summer when everything was quarantined he was pumping them out one or two a week yeah. he's doing a whole bunch of them um but the, 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 he's, he's there's still some more out there that i haven't run that, that and, I, and i'll pick one today and run it and brandon patterson i noticed also sent us an article today so i'll schedule that one for tomorrow thank god because i'm out of stuff to write yeah chris was, is telling me yeah let's do a podcast <laughs> today because i don't really have anything to i mean write i mean today. i was i i scheduled my day planner i was gonna like the UVA preview was coming out tomorrow. I was going to be spending that this afternoon writing it. And yeah. so like, and I'm out of previews, right? Like in last week's Q and a, I said, well, I'm out of time to do the special teams for you. So I'll just ask myself a question in the Q and a, so I can talk about special teams. That'll serve as my special team preview. Next week we go full in the game week with UVA. And then the UVA game got canceled. So I've been, uh, so I'm, I'm out of ideas. So yeah, Please don't cancel the NC State game because I'm, I'm out of stuff. Football. I'm out of ideas about stuff to write. <laughs> well, you're not out of Virginia Tech athletic events, though. Uh, women's soccer back in action. They open up on Saturday in Charlottesville against UVA. Volleyball opens their season tomorrow on the ACC Network at 4 o'clock against the Citadel. And uh, men's soccer gets underway shortly. So we are starting to get some some. So volleyball is going to be on the ACC Network. Tomorrow at 4 o'clock against the Citadel. All right, cool. So uh, that'll do it for us here. Episode 134 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It was a lengthy one. We discussed a lot, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we're looking forward to hopefully as football season gets back into the swing of things, having these podcasts uh, once at, at least once a week, hopefully twice a week. So, yes, and many thanks to Jonathan Fisher and the Grit Gear guys and Campus Emporium and Southeast Regional Training Center. That'll do it for us. Uh, for our managing editor Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager Will Stewart, the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm Evan Hughes saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 134 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Have a great week, Hokies. Thank you.